Good evening and welcome to the Ozark United Methodist Church podcast series for Thursday, March the 5th. My name is Mike Randall and joining me today are... Go that way. <laughs> Let's go that way. This is Brad Tummins. This is Jacob Schneider. And Joey Mills. This week we're talking about redemption as a story. The only story that the Bible is about. As we reflect on Pastor Jacob Schneider's Linton sermon series titled, Appropriately Enough, Redemption. Before we begin, guys, let's have a moment of prayer tonight. Holy God, we praise you for this day. We praise you for the gift of this day. We praise you for bringing us together. And God, we pray that you would enter into this time, enter into uh, the space wherever we find ourselves and and speak to us. God, uh, I pray that this would be a time of just growing in our knowledge and love of you. Uh, but we love you. We praise you. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, good evening, gentlemen, and I'm going to turn it over to our discussion leader tonight. Who is? Did anybody? Dun, 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 dun. Hey, it's Brad. Aren't it's Brad. It's Brad. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> hey, surprise. So, a little inside baseball. We generally do a little more planning like earlier in the week, <laughs> and we kind of self-select who's going to do what. But um, this week it was kind of quiet until Mike said, "Hey, I'll do the hosting." <laughs> so. So we will just we'll just kind of play it loose and yeah. by ear. But if you're prepared, that's great. Prepared. That's that's the word I would use right now. <laughs> ill prepared. You forgot the ill. No, but seriously. So I mean, I mean, thinking through thinking through this week's sermon. Um, I mean, what were you guys' general thoughts? I mean, we we're talking about redemption. We were in. I mean, uh, well, our, we were in Hosea. 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 Sorry again. That's, this week. preparation preparation you know how it goes what were you guys' thoughts i mean it's kind of a i i step back and i think about the story just a little bit and hosea with uh gomer um and uh and and hosea and how that whole situation worked out and i just kind of start by thinking man that uh hosea's got a lot i mean being tuned in with what god's saying there you know i Thinking about it from my perspective, that would be a hard, hard ask even in the first place, you know. Um, much less in the second place. <laughs> much, much less in the second place. When you're you going know? back to town, yeah. So Yeah, it's, you know, you started with kind of the anecdote, and we've all read or heard or seen on social media some form of those types of things. It's usually, you know, prove God exists by dropping the chalk, or, you know, there's so many of them that are all shared around and stuff, but... um I think the the biggest point of that was, though, for me, is that, yeah, we're not called to be good sharing people. We're called to be self-sacrificing people, you know, yeah. say no to yourself, take up your cross and follow me, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a hard pill to swallow because we want to say, I am more than happy to give when I have something extra to give, but that's not what we're called to do. That's not the example that was set for us it was not... Yeah, share when you can share. When it doesn't hurt you too bad. When you don't feel it, go ahead and do a little extra for somebody. That would be nice. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to enter into poverty with people, enter enter suffering with people. And that's a hard pill to swallow. I don't want to worry. You know, we work hard to make sure we know where our next meal is coming from and that there's enough money in the bank that if something tragic happens that we'll be okay. But there are countless people that don't have those luxuries and mm-hmm. and it's easy to fall back on well they should work harder they should have made better choices they 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 but it's not about they i can't control they yeah. it's about me and what i can do and yeah it's hard to be 
self-sacrificing to the point of giving everything to make sure that somebody else has something or yep. multiple somebodies have something. Yeah. And, and not just material things. I mean, right. He was sacrificing his reputation. I mean, everything, giving everything, literally everything. Um, and you know, honor and shame, this is an honor and shame culture that, I mean, yeah, I mean, everything rise or fall on, you know, whether or not you were receiving honor or shame. But, um, I, I you know, with the story of the ant and the grasshopper and uh, it reminded me as I was thinking about it leading up to this past Sunday uh, of some of the, and I've shared this before, but some of the sermons I've heard, you know, growing up, I I call them the be nice and recycle sermons. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, a lot of us, that's what we hear. We hear it online or, you know, whatever. Um, Well, that's easier to swallow too. Because we can all we can all identify with yes I should there are times when I have not been nice or haven't recycled so I should be nice and recycle, mm-hmm. but we always center that about ourselves and you know when it's comfortable for me when it's convenient yeah then yeah. I will no, yeah. but I, I think you know on this side of the resurrection we've got no excuses you know um, Hosea was a mouthpiece of God chosen by God. Um, we are all in that place as followers of Jesus to witness to Christ and his kingdom and the redemption that's all a part of it. So, Well, I mean, and really when you started talking about just the magnitude of the redemption, that he gave the 15 shekels and then he gave everything that he had. You know what I mean? And that's what redemption is. It's giving this everything and it was giving the best too of what he had. It wasn't just, here's here's my leftovers of stuff. Here is everything that I have. Here's everything. Mm -hmm. And this week as I've been reflecting on that personally, it took me back to a sermon that I heard years ago and about how that like when you order a pizza and the pizza comes to the door and the pizza guy he's bringing up this pizza and it's in this nice box and you can smell the pizza and you can imagine what the pizza is and you're so excited about this pizza and it's and then you open it up and what the pizza guy did on the way to the house was he took it and he shook the box up (laughs) and so the pizza is a hot mess it's like my life. Yeah. <laughs> Hot mess. Having been that pizza guy before, I can tell you, he didn't shake it up on purpose. <laughs> but and it started making me think, you know, it's like, here we have, you know, story of Hosea, and then we have, you know, the story of Christ and his redemption and the fact that God gave his son, you know what I mean, the absolute perfect sacrifice for the redemption of our sins and gave the best and gave everything, you know, and how many times in my own life do... I treat those that Christ has called me to or, you know I mean, or things that he's asked me to do, I give it the shaken pizza, mm-hmm. you know I mean, mm-hmm. amount of what I have to give versus the, the, the grandiose of my all, you know, um, and not saying that I have a, re- I don't have any redemptive ability to people but you know just in my service to people and you know it it made me start thinking about that you know that god gave his son you know and how much more should i give to those that are in need around me and Mm -hmm. you know and and not giving them this jesus died junky pizza box of of your time messed up pizza be present yeah it's it's hard it is 
but it's not even just the giving because that's what we're supposed to do. Because I feel like if I were to give beyond what was comfortable into what started to become painful for me, I would have a hard time getting beyond just doing it because I'm supposed to. And I've been reading this week as a follow-up to last sermon series, I've been doing a little bit of study and it was a compare and contrast between the Beatitudes and the seven woes, I think in Matthew 23. And it's, yeah, the Pharisees and scribes were tithing and yes, that's what you're supposed to do, but you missed the point. You're not supposed to do it because that's the law. You're supposed to do it because that's your heart and you need to give to those that are in need. And it's, it's hard. And having worked on the volunteer side and accepting other people, you know, it took me a long time personally to get over those people who would give a little bit just to make sure that the people knew that they gave to this cause so that it would look good when they decide to run for office or on their reelection or when they're up for citizen of the year or whatever. Tax return. Check, yeah, the, and, and, and check the box. Yeah. And it's hard. It was hard for me being on the receiving end of some of those things to get beyond that and just be like, you know what? It doesn't matter that you gave, this amount just so it looked good for you because that amount's here now and we can put it to work. Yeah. So I, I struggle with both sides of that. I struggle with the how much is too much and how much am I comfortable and how much is becomes painful. And then on the other side, when I'm on the receiving end, none of, none of us like to be on the receiving end of help or aid or anything like that. Even if, you know, it, it's, it's hard to be on both sides of it. And I think we have to put ourselves and our egos out of the way so that we can give without thought of, you know, well, what's this going to do to me tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are people going to say if they see me talking to this person, you know, and, and get, put ourselves out of the, take ourselves, our ego out of the equation and just be what we're supposed to be in that moment. No. I think it's interesting that you bring up that whole thing because it kind of ties back to the previous sermon series about deeds. And, you know, I mean, it's like, You know, when you go back to Martin Luther, even, you know, and he talks about that. Oh, you got a book or (laughs) awesome. Pastor Jacob brought out a a little figurine of Martin Luther. I love it. Nice. Um, Mm. I didn't know Playmobil made a Martin Luther figurine. Is this a little people? That's a Playmobil. The 500th anniversary. Come on. I love it. It's a German company. What can you But I remember even back like when I was uh, in church history classes, you know, that, you know, that the whole thing with the Reformation was it's not just works. It is faith because faith is what changes our heart, you know, and we can do all the deeds we want and all the good things that we want. But if our heart isn't, if Christ isn't transforming our heart on a constant daily basis, you know, then it's empty. The deeds that we're doing and the works that we do are empty. And that's not going to get us any closer to God. And it's not going to get us any farther closer to glory in heaven. But and that's not why we do things. We do things to share the gospel, you know what I mean, to those that need to hear the gospel and need to know the love of Christ, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, they'll know our Christians by our love first, you know what I mean? And how we demonstrate our love is by our works and our deeds, you know? And I think it ties in so, you know, and especially with this whole the Lenten season, when you think about, you know, it's like, 
God's love for us was manifested by his son on the cross. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that goes in the direction I kind of wanted to go. It's a little, kind of a little off, but uh, (laughs) a roundabout way to get (laughs) to the same place. But, but I think, you know, the kind of the relationship between old and new testaments, um, and our understandings of who God is, I, I mentioned in the sermon, a lot of us think of, you know, almost this two gods or this bipolar mm-hmm. God. Um, and and so I, I was just curious about your thoughts about that, because I know our listeners have the same thoughts, yeah. but uh, maybe go down that road. But, you know, tying into the ultimate expression of God's love um, and you know, I think that was the point I was trying to make. It, it, it wasn't just, you know, just didn't appear. This is the ultimate expression. Right. God's always been God. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, a while back, it's probably been a good, let's call it a year, uh, I read a book by Karen Armstrong, who is a, a, a lapsed nun, Catholic. Um, it's called, it's not a new book, but it's called the, I'll, I'll butcher the name. Um, but you can look up Karen Armstrong if you're interested. It's uh, I think it's called the Four Thousand Year Search for God or something like that. Anyway, it talks about the Mosaic religions and how you know, yes, God has remained constant. Uh, you can see it from Abraham through Christ. the The through line is still love and His people, but the way we have experienced or the way the Hebrew people, the writers of the old Testament, the writers of the new Testament have experienced God has changed dramatically over the years. God has remained the same, but our stories of God have changed and we have created for lack of a better word, God in our own image, depending on what was needed at the time. At the time God was, for lack of a better word, a warlord or a warring type God. Was that God? Was that God's heart? No, but that's how the people it all, it all comes back to yeah. the context of the time. Exactly. The at times, in, right? at times God was the delivering God at times. God was the, you know, the blessing because, you know, it's, it's based on not what God did differently, but what the mm-hmm. people were doing differently and how they chose to have their relationship with God and how it's reflected in the stories. So yeah, it's, yeah. it can be a mess to try to read, Old Testament stories, like what? How is God? How is God okay with this? You know, if God is this, yeah. you know, half a Bible the, later, it's oh. looking through it in the lens of the times, right? That, that the story is taking place, you know, because that that to me that to me is why certain things like going through disciple Bible study and stuff like that really helped me a lot more to understand what the scripture and the particular, I mean, whatever book in the Bible was talking about, because you're thinking about it in the context of the time. You know, if someone were to go back and look at the story of, you know, whoever today, you have to look at it in the context of the time. Otherwise, all of the craziness we're talking about with computers or coronavirus or whatever else wouldn't necessarily, oh, what's the big deal, you know? Or, right. oh man, those guys were crazy. But it was because of the, the, the context of the time. And I, I think that's that's something I think a lot of folks, when they're reading the Bible, I know at least before going through, like, Disciple, I didn't really think about it that way. I really spent more time and oh, well, this is what the Bible says, and taking it a lot more 
literally based on the way that it was written as opposed to what the author was trying the author of that book was trying to get across to you but i think i think we do that i think it's kind of i don't know if it's lazy is not the right word i don't want to offend anybody with that word but we kind of sit back and you know it's easy to default to if it's in the bible it must be true word for word god wrote it well but that's kind of that's one position that that seems to be a popular position for various denominations within the greater church capital c to take but yeah you lose so much if you're not looking at mm-hmm. the context in which it, the context that it was the passage was written in whatever passage you're talking about who it was addressed to because most of the bible is addressed to a specific audience and that audience and for that passage when the person wrote that passage they weren't necessarily writing it for us today they were writing it to this group of people who needed to hear this specific message in this cultural context so it's it can get weird at times if you're not aware of those things try to understand exactly what is is being discussed at any given point but you know from the first interaction between god and abraham god lays the path down you know the the animals are cut in half and god walks the path saying if i can't up in my end of the deal it's my blood that's shed and if you can't up in your end of the deal it's still my blood that's shed and we see that on the cross when when we have turned away and the old covenant doesn't work anymore who pays for it god pays for it with blood it's not our blood it's not you know we we had nothing to lose and everything to gain from the old covenant and now that we're in post-resurrection, we're on this side of the resurrection, we're living in this new covenant, it is about emulating Christ's example. It's about faith. It's about building the kingdom because the kingdom is at hand. And is it here in its fullness? Absolutely not. But <laughs> you know, if the two are going to meet someday, then we should surely be a little further along the path of build, up in, uh, holding up our end and building the kingdom and what the kingdom looks like here um, before we get to that point. It's funny, the more that we've talked, the more I keep hearing the old uh, titles of hymns pop up. You know, <laughs> further along. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just... Sorry, random observation. <laughs> random observation for yeah, Wednesday. We evening. sing our theology. I like it. Yeah. Good. And I think you can see through it, any account in, in the Bible the underlying posture that God takes and his heart in it is he loves that which he created and he desires for that which he created to be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Period. In, <laughs> period. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what redemption is. It's, yeah, it's restoring the relationship Yeah, and God taking that initiative to restore the relationship. And I mean, and when you think about it, you know, as parents based on what's going on at different points and times in the house <laughs> with children <laughs> depends on the different types of measures that you take to get the actions <laughs> get that attention. you are desiring, you know what I mean? Yes. And rearing children, you know what I mean? And with different children, you use different actions, you know what I mean? Um, and I think you can even, you see that in God, you see that fatherly figure that he takes those different actions that needs to be dealt with and he deals with them. You know what I mean? Um, you know, for his 
ultimate purpose yeah. in that restoring redemptive yeah. process. And I think something that will come out throughout the sermon series, um, contextually, especially as we dig into the Old Testament, we're going to be, uh, you know, kind of uncovering some more of that contextual background. Um, but uh, w- one of the things that we touched on in, in the story of Hosea and Gomer really gets to this is it was a very patriarchal time. And I think one of the things that we have to understand is that a lot of those, that patriarchal system pre-existed, you know, mm-hmm. the covenant. I mean, this was God speaking into a pre-existent patriarchal system um, and speaking his truth into it through these prophets, you know, they're his mouthpieces, uh, and how just earth shatteringly uh, out of bounds it was, you know, the what these prophets were saying. And, and then by the time, of course, we get to Christ, it's it's just just mind blowing, you know, what God is really speaking. <laughs> so we'll, we'll unpack more of that as we go, but, uh, yeah, I, I, that's one of the most important contextual background pieces to understand and, and one that's lost on us for the most part mm-hmm. today. So do you ever feel like in the church, capital C church, there is a propensity to, look back and say this must be what was going you know it seems like we we tend to want to connect everything in the old testament with the old testament prophets to christ and i i wonder sometimes if maybe we lose some of the nuance it's like yeah i can see how looking back through history you could say well this is presaging what's going to come with christ but sometimes i just think i wonder is like okay yeah. Maybe that had nothing to do with Christ in that moment. And yes, in a, in God's way, it is. But at the same time, that's not what this prophet's talking about, or this is not the situation. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you ever can, yeah. Does that ever enter your thoughts? Well, I mean, of course, the, the Old Testament writers were not writing with Christ in mind. Right. Um, but, you know, I will say there, I can't even think what they are. There's a few verses in like Isaiah, how I honestly don't know how a... What, what is he talking about if it's not Christ? You're right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there are a few of those, but, you know, the vast majority, you're right. I mean, it's um, they're speaking into that particular cultural context. And I think the thing we have to remember is we all read Scripture with blinders. We all have blinders. Whether we think we do or not, we mm-hmm. all have blinders, cultural and otherwise, ideological, all of that. Um, and even when we try and strip that away, a lot of us we read scripture through a, even a first century blinder, the, the you know the Christ blinder. Um, we're reading, you know, about this eighth century BC prophet right. through this first century context, and and that you know we can't do that. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, it, it's a lot of work, honestly. But thankfully, we lean on those who have gone before us, who have put in a lot of work for the last thousands of years. Uh, understanding uh, what just what scripture is saying, and um, we lean on this great cloud of witnesses and and God's inspiration and all of that. So, uh, let us know your thoughts, questions, and the ways that God is moving in you, and how it relates sometimes to even the most religious among us when they just don't get it. Make sure to follow us at Ozark UMC at Facebook. 
and at Twitter. And email us at the podcast at ozarkumc.org with any questions that you may have. We're going to come back with a devotional related to the redemption right after this short break. So let's take our discussion of redemption just a little step further, and we've got a few more questions that we're going to be talking about and discussing amongst us. All right. So guys, uh, while in kind of my study and my reflection this week, you know, we've been talking obviously about redemption and kind of the thing that started, you know, when I, when I think about what God's redemption story through the Bible is. I feel like that's part, I mean, that's obviously happening, it's happened, God has done that, and then I started wondering about what's the relationship between both redemption and repentance, and so can you really, is it one of those instances where you can have one without the other, or is it just, you just get, you know, can you have part without, I mean, can you have one without the other, I guess is probably the right way to say it, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think about Christ's died on the cross for us in that redemptive act but then again i turn around and i look at or i think about well okay but if you don't repent then is that redemptive act lost on people is it lost on me or is you know i look at the uh, hosea and with gomer and i'm like he came in 15 shekels and a mess of barley i don't even know how how (laughs) 15 shekels worth of barley (laughs) 15 shekels worth of barley and 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 gets i mean gets gomer back right but does it I mean does she repent from that you know the same way do we repent right. based on the redemptive act of christ's death you know yeah and do so you, i just was kind of more thinking more just about what your guys's thoughts were between the relationships well i think you're right in that we want to or tend to or rightfully should put stuff onto gomer how must she have been feeling standing there? She must have been brought low when she was standing at the gate, having had nothing, having had everything, having now being at nothing again. But we don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. the writer doesn't put that in there. We don't know that Gomer ever repented. Um, my personal doesn't line up with everybody's belief is that Christ died to redeem the world. And mm-hmm. there, you know, Prior to the 1800s, the prevailing philosophy in Christianity was that it's universal and it's complete. And there are some scriptures that will support that point of view. There are other scriptures. And again, after 1800, we're living in a much more uh, personal salvation. It's, you know, faith based at the individual level. I tend to think that if Christ took on the sins of the world, then it's done. And we aren't, you know, we're not earning salvation. We can't do that. It's given by grace. And our works and our faith come from our love and appreciation for that. Yeah. And, and feel free I'm, to I'm, jump on me well, because it's not no, no. a commonly held, you know, a lot no. of people don't think that today. And that's totally fine. I, I can see I, I can see scripture defending both sides of it or yeah. arguing for both sides of it. Well, I mean, we're sitting here looking at a little Playmobil figurine of right. Martin Luther. Um, 
And you know, which still cracks me up that you had that in here. But okay, <laughs> and, yeah, I'm, I I like Luther. He's he's fun to read. But um, but most people would have like a bus or I have something. A, I, <laughs> I, I, I have his ninety five pieces. I like him. I don't respect him that much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's all right. He's worth a piece of plastic, not not bronze. But um, you know, it, it, this is the faith works, you know, conversation, and you know. Redemption, as I mentioned Sunday, it's God's work. It's what God does. Right. God does redemption. Mm. We don't do redemption. Um, Repentance, um, aside, it's, you know, not being just a state of being, it's not self deprecation. It's not being melancholy. It's not feeling terrible about yourself. Repentance is changing your life. (laughs) I mean, it's a change of your life. And that's a response to God's work of redemption. Um, so, so yeah, I, Brad, I, I don't think redemption really takes root uh, fully until without, without the accompanying repentance. redemption or repentance, right? Yeah. But repentance doesn't bring about our redemption. That's the kind of tr- tricky kind of yeah. way that. We understand it as, as you know, thoroughgoing Protestants. Um, but yeah, I was just gonna say that you know, I mean, the whole thing with um, repentance. You know, I mean, repentance is that whole thing of that. This is what you know. I'm giving this up because I'm. This is this is the way that I believe, and this is what I believe is true for me and the redemptive process. Um, because redemption is media and process oriented. You know what I mean? It's, you know what I mean? I'm still going to be making mistakes and that's still a continual thing that God is working on me with, you know, and he offers redemption through that. You know what I mean? But that whole thing of repentance is I have to take it. Right. You have to, I have to claim take, redemption. Yeah. And it, it makes me think, yeah. so I watch America's funniest videos with my kids. Okay. <laughs> Just to kind of take this from the, deeply theological side of what <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> to making it really f- more practical. Let's put it that way. We'll say practical. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Practical. But one of my favorite videos on America's funniest videos is these dads, they'll stick a credit card on the wall and they'll hold it there. And their kid is standing in front of the wall. And they say, if you can catch the credit card with your forehead, as I drop it, oh. you can buy whatever you want. <laughs> okay, this, now, this sounds like the people yeah. that like you know. This is one step below the people that get arrested for child abuse. Exactly. For the YouTube videos of them like berating and beating on their children. It cracks me up <laughs> every time because you have these ten-year-old boys that are like, "Yes, I'm going to catch it," and, you know, and they're smacking their head on national TV, you know, trying to catch a credit card on the wall. It cracks me up. <laughs> and there's, I've only seen one kid catch it. You know what I mean? And then his dad says, okay, well, you get to buy something on Amazon then. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but looking for a place on the not, beach. And, on and I'm not. They e- sell islands there. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what. But I'm not, I'm not equating the fact that redemption is a, is a, is a hard thing to catch as far as a credit card falling down the wall and you got to smack your head against it. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that there is a desire in the 10 year old boy for the credit card. Mm-hmm. And that in our own life is, 
that redemptive process that comes because we're repentant, because we're chasing after the redemption that Christ is, that God has offered to us. You know I mean, there's a value to it. There, we understand that there is something, an added benefit that it's going to bring to our life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of in that same scenario there. Yeah. Hope I didn't muddy the water. No, no. I, I think that just points to the continual nature of, you know, that relationship continually being restored us continually experiencing life change, repentance being an ongoing, lifelong state, not just a one-done kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's why this Lent season is important. And, you know, as to Gomer, um, you know, we don't really get a clear answer, but we do know what happens to Israel. They kind of get yeah rounded it's it's not it's not very <laughs> it's not good a pretty story <laughs> but the call is continually to repentance to mm-hmm. change to turn um and it's you know it, it's a, it's a response to who god has revealed himself to be yeah you know if if this is who god is in christ um man we encounter that fully uh we're given faith as a gift um we can do nothing but turn and change and repent Well, it makes me even think of um, the beggar at the gate called Beautiful, you know, in Acts. You know, he came every day. His family brought him and sat him there because he believed that there was something that was magical about what happened there at that gate, you know. And if you know historical significance of the gate called Beautiful, you know what I mean? And the fact that, you know, the disciples walk up and they're like, silver and gold have I none. But what I do tell you is pick up your mat and rise and walk in the name of, you know, it's, he was healed because his faith, you know what I mean? And if you relate that back to redemption, you are saved and brought into that relationship with God because your repentance accepts that redemption. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. um, I think that, you know, even reflecting in on this, yeah, I mean, personally, you know, it's like, okay, it's like, you know, God, what is it today that you need me to work on in my life, that you need me to give up so that way that I'm following you more closely, you know, and that's that. For me, that said that continued redemption. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Of, you know, how do I become more like you, God? How do I become more like Christ? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And the way that he lived, you know? Yeah, it's not just some swanky destination you're getting to. It's a process. Right. It's a process. And that's the thing. That's the thing that, you know, that's the challenge that we all face, right? I mean, it's exactly what you're saying, Mike. It's not just, it's not just, hey, they're, they're, we're done. Hey, Game over. Yeah. All done. It's it's a life. I might get out of hell free card. Here. I, yeah, it's I, I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm redeemed roll. because I accepted his gift of redemption. Yeah. You know, but I'm continually being changed and redeemed every day because I am yeah. desiring mm-hmm. to be more like Christ. Yeah. And that points to me because I think you know how how do we daily live that out? How do we you know? Um, how how do we live out the story of Jose and Gomer? You know, to live out our redemption. Um, and for me, what immediately comes to mind is 
relationship mm-hmm. people. We have to ha- we have to be in relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. We have to be doing this together. Um, you know, this as you know, good Methodists, we have a history that shows us that you know that works when you're doing life together, struggling through sins together, um, trying to encourage one another and keep one another accountable as we're seeking to grow and change. Uh, that it can't really happen any other way. Mm-hmm. It has to happen with other people. So well, and the thing that strikes me about it, I mean, we can't maybe sitting in service, we can't all immediately relate to the surface level relationship between you know, Jose and Gomer. Maybe that's not our thing. I'm not married or I am married and I haven't had to worry about that, whatever, but we can all think of right now, every person listening, every one of us sitting here talking can think about somebody who our relationship with is broken because we felt hurt by that relationship. Mm -hmm. And would you really give up everything to make that relationship right? I mean, if you're still holding on to that hurt, not just, Hey, okay, I've decided I'm going to let go of the hurt. I'm going to, I'm just going to let it go. And I'm not going to let this hurt me anymore. That's, that's great. That's, that's a step towards healing. But how many of us would really just give it all away and say, you know what? I've got to fix this with this person who I still feel has hurt me. I am still feeling like I've been wronged. And I've not only can I not let that go, I've got to let it go. But now I've got to give everything up to make this right with this person. I, that's that's hard. I don't know. I, I don't know that it's I could do that. Order, yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I think I've shared this before, but I. I read a story about a woman whose son was kind of brutally murdered and uh, she went to the uh, to the trial and it came time for sentencing and when it came time for sentencing she asked the judge if she could step forward and address the court and specifically address uh, the young man who had killed her son brutally murdered her son and she got up there and said you know I don't want you to go to jail You'll, you know, that's probably the worst place you could go. What I want is for you to come and live with me. Come and live with me. And she appealed to the judge for this sentencing. She was granted this sentence. And, you know, you think about the the absolute pain for her to be reminded every day of this man who killed her son. But think about how he was affected by that. Of course, he had to see pictures of her son sitting around the house. and all. He was reminded of this thing that he had done. That is redemption. Mm-hmm. That is otherworldly redemption. Um, and I think that's, that's really what Christ calls us to. And that's why it's so hard. That's why we need other people to encourage and lift us up. Um, but man, that type of witness changes lives. Yeah. Period. Well, I am so thankful that we had this holy conversation tonight. You know what I mean? And that, you know, God was in the midst of this, you know, I encourage all listeners out there, you know, take a moment this week, you know, before Sunday, prepare your heart, you know, for the upcoming message, but also meditate upon the words and, you know, that were discussed here tonight and, and let, let, let God do what he can, only what he can do, 
you know, in your life, you know, through these conversation and have those conversations with those that are around you that are other believers and be a part of the conversation and, with us. Let and, us yeah. know what you guys think about Absolutely. this. Yeah. Shoot us an email. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You know what I mean? And being able to share those and discuss those. Um, because if you're thinking it, somebody else is thinking it as well. So, but I also want to make sure join us this Sunday as Pastor David Bell continues our Lenten sermon series, Redemption, at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Directions to Ozark United Methodist Church and more can be found on our website at ozarkumc.org. Find the service that best works for you and join us this Sunday. We look forward to worshiping with you. And for Brad, Pastor Jacob, Joey, and myself, Mike, may the peace of Christ be with you.